a new series in the new year. It's entitled, uh, You Are Not Alone. Hopefully you got, as you walked in, one of these study guides. It's got a place for you to take notes. It's got the scripture in there. If you don't have a Bible, it's got community group questions. Uh, and so for you to go through during the week, if you're not in a community group, man, stop by the Connect Desk on the way out and jump into a community group. They're meeting all, all sorts of times during, during the week, different places, and you can walk through this content during the week and really apply it to your life. But even if you're not in a community group, you can take this with you and go through these questions and study this further with your roommates, with your spouse, with your family, with a friend, and we would highly encourage you to do that. The reality is we're going to address some tough topics during this series of You Are Not Alone. Today, we're going to talk about grief, next week, insecurity, the next week, anxiety, and the last week, conflict. And so there's going to be some verses you're going to want to come back to and some notes and questions and ways to wrestle with this in your life. So make sure you take advantage of this study guide. If you haven't gotten one already, get one after the service. Uh, but we are tar- talking about grief today. Happy New Year, right? I-, I think many of us, kind of New Year comes and we're looking for like the best is yet to come sermon. Anybody? Or 10 ways to change your life and make it better. And yeah, I think you're going to get a little bit of that through grief. And I, I think we'll get there eventually. So just be patient with me, right? But we are talking about grief today, and I think it's actually fitting if we really think about it. If you consider the holiday season itself, what's unique about the holiday season is many of the the sights and the sounds and the smells that, that we love about the holidays are also the very things that turn up the, the volume of the loss and the pain in our lives. Some of you just experienced this. You have a tradition that you do every year at Christmas. And, and for this Christmas, for whatever reason, you weren't able to experience that tradition with those people that you normally experience it with. Some of you have a, a meal that you eat and everybody prepares a certain part of that meal. And, and one of those people was missing this Christmas. Some of you have a, a song that you always sing out or, or listen to or a Christmas Eve service that you go to, but for whatever reason, this Christmas and this holiday season, there was a lot of heartache in the holidays because those things didn't remind you to celebrate, they reminded you of sorrow. And listen, maybe it's because you lost someone like they actually died, but maybe it's also because you lost someone who is still alive. That's sometimes the, the greatest grief, the greatest pain that we have is that lost relationship, that lost friendship, that lost marriage, that lost sibling that you don't talk to anymore. And it's, it's weird and it's awkward. Am I preaching to anybody today? And you didn't get along this Christmas or you weren't even in the same room this Christmas. And that's the season of holidays you're coming out of. It's a season of heartache. And so the reality is it's a, it's a perfect time to talk about grief. And, and I think for many of us, uh, if you were honest, you would say, hey, Tim, it's not just the holidays I feel that. It's when Facebook memories pops up on my phone and I see the pictures from five years ago or 10 years ago and I don't hang out with those people anymore. I mean, because of the polarization, the pandemic, and the politics, one of the above or all of the above, like I don't have that relation. I've experienced loss, and I have pain and grief because of that loss. And maybe for some of you, it's heavy like that, and you don't know what to do with it. And despite the fact that everybody experiences loss, that loss is a part of life, you feel like you're all alone in that loss and in that grief. 
Because the reality is, as you look at the church and as you look at the people of God, many times we don't know how to talk about grief. Or we just don't talk about it at all. So get this, even, even though everybody experiences loss, you feel alone in your loss. And you don't know how to navigate it. And you're not doing okay. And maybe you said to some people this morning, coming in, how you doing? I'm good. Better than ever. Happy New Year. The best is yet to come. Like, I don't know if you rolled all that out, but if you did, great. But inside, you're thinking, ah, is it okay not to be okay? Because I'm not. And the reality is all of us have experienced loss or will, and so we have to talk about it with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, and with the people of God. Amen? We have to see how do we navigate it in a healthy and a godly way, and I believe we're going to do that today. So I'm going to give you some things to take notes on, some scriptures as well, and so you can grab that study guide. Our first point is simply this. It's grief isn't just natural, it is good. You can write that down. Grief isn't just natural, it's good. As I studied for this sermon, as I Googled articles on grief, a lot of phrases I would see would be pretty consistently that Grief is a natural response to loss or pain. And as they defined it as this natural response, I, I see what they were trying to do. They were trying to remove some of the stigma of grief because many people don't talk about it or know how to deal with it. And so they were trying to say, hey, it's a natural thing. But, but as I, I read that word natural, I thought that doesn't really fit even what the Bible says. That there's a lot of things that are natural that aren't necessarily good, like kale, I mean, kale's gross. It's not good, but it's natural. There's lots of things like that, right? But as you look at the Bible, the Bible, interestingly enough, when it comes to grief and loss and pain, it doubles down. It goes further than natural. It says grief is good. One of the places we see that is Ecclesiastes chapter 7. You can go there with me in your actual Bible. You can look at your study guide or you can follow along on the screen. But Ecclesiastes chapter 7 Uh, Actually, in a few weeks, when we end this series, February 6th, we're starting a series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And so we'll hit all of this in several weeks. But for now, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, it says this. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of the morning of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. So this is Solomon, the the wisest and the wealthiest man in the Bible. And what he does here is he gives us several greater than statements. Did you notice that? He says a good name is greater than precious ointment. A day of death is greater than the day of birth. House of mourning is greater than the house of feasting. Sorrow is greater than laughter. And I think if you just look at that and analyze those greater than statements, you might start to question this whole wisest man ever thing. You're like... Solomon, I'm pretty sure sorrow is not better than laughter. I'd rather watch Jim Gaffigan than The Notebook. Anybody? Okay, I just offended half of you guys. But the other half, you know what I'm saying, right? Like it's better to go into a nursery with a bunch of cute little babies wearing their little onesies that they got at Christmas than it is to go to a funeral. But yet Solomon says the opposite. 
what, what is he saying? Well, he sums it up. Look at verse two with me. He says, for this, that's the day of death, is the end of all mankind. Everybody will experience this. So the living will lay it to heart. He's saying, hey, loss is a part of life. So the quicker you can realize that and become in tune with reality, that's actually a good thing. And some of you are thinking, well, Tim, what what is good about that? Well, he tells us in verse four, specifically, it makes you wise. You learn how to navigate life when you realize there is loss in life. It makes you wise. You learn how to live. You learn principles and practices of how to live in life and flourish in life when you realize loss is a part of life. It makes you wise. But it does more than that. As we look at other verses in the Bible, it helps us. It's good to have grief because it helps us on a deeper level connect with a good God. Psalm 34 says it this way. The Lord is close, is near to who? The brokenhearted. Matthew chapter five, the the greatest sermon that was ever preached, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He's giving us the ingredients for the blessed life or the happy life or the good life. And one of the first things he says is blessed or happy or good is it when people mourn. Why? Well, because that's when you're comforted. See, it's not that just understanding loss as a part of life, makes you wise or savvy in life. No, it's how you experience the goodness of God. And many times, here's my fear for us in the church, many times, here's how we see good. We see good as the removal of grief. Not that there's good in grief. Here's how I know. Some of you have experienced loss recently. Maybe it was around the holidays. Maybe it was a different season. And you've experienced loss financially. You've experienced loss maybe of your innocence, maybe of your optimism because of abuse or trauma in your life. You've experienced loss in a relationship, that person you don't speak with anymore. You've experienced loss in sickness And as you experience that loss and you kind of come out of it, a few weeks have passed, people will ask you, and typically Christians, like, hey, how are you doing with that? And something is in the air. Have you been there? It's hovering over you and them, and it's this inclination as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, to say, I'm doing good. (laughs) I'm doing good. And there's that thing hovering in the air to say, hey, you know what? I hope you're doing good because I don't know what to say, just to be honest. But there's also that thing in you to say, hey, things get good when there's no longer grief. When I can say, you know, it was really hard there for a little while, but now I'm doing great, doing fine. I'm back, 90%. And yet the Bible, it's so interesting, the Bible. It's the opposite. Solomon says, no, it's better. Sorrow is better than, sorrow is good. This is good. There's good in grief, not just when the grief is removed. How are we so backwards then? How are we so prone to say, I'm good. I want the grief removed and not realize God is in the grief, therefore good is in the grief. He comforts the brokenhearted. The blessed life 
Here's how you experience it. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. You get a deeper relationship with a good God when you realize there is good in grief, not when it's removed. And my question for you today, for us today is, do we see it that way? Do you have some loss and pain in your life that you have just thought, I know God works it together for good, but I don't know if the grief itself is good. And so I'm gonna put a smile on it on Sunday and say, everything is good. And maybe you've said that, God works it all together for good, but inside you are being tortured by your pain. And you haven't even navigated it. You haven't even dealt with it. Because you think as a good Christian, I'm not supposed to. And yet Jesus Christ, was he good? Was he good? He was perfect. And yet Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died, despite the fact he knew he was going to bring him back to life. Good in grief. Jesus, the son of God, later in the gospels, we see he's looking out over Jerusalem and he, he, he weeps over the brokenness of the people in Jerusalem. You see him at the cross. It's not pretty. He cries out with loud shouts. He's he's grieving the loss of his life. Luke 22 says he sweats blood. Is Jesus good? Yes. Then grief is good. Do you see it that way? About your loss, about your pain, about your grief. I need to free some of you guys today from the need to please other people and the need to put a smile on it and the need to act like everything is okay while you're hurting inside. I need to free some of you all today. Some of the best, some of the good things you could do as you start this new year is to grieve your loss. Amen? to embrace that because God will be near. That's when he comforts you. Oh, that's when he's close to you. That's when you experience the goodness of God is when you have grief. And then as we realize, okay, it's good, then we see we can process it. And that's our second point. Our second point is this, that grief isn't just a feeling to overcome. It's an emotion to process. You see, everybody experiences grief, right? And some of you are thinking, Tim, I haven't yet. Like, I'm actually doing pretty well. Why are you so uh, downhearted and downtrodden? Like, I'm doing great. Like, the best is yet to come. 2022, woo! If you haven't experienced loss, you will. But let me just tell you, everybody experiences some kind of loss. Maybe it's the heavy loss, but maybe it's just the light losses of living in a broken world. Like for me, last night, I have a routine. Every Sunday and approaching every Sunday, I plug my iPad that I'm going to preach from. I plug it into a charging station at my home. Now, if you have a charging station, you know there's like all these little cables coming out. And I, I was doing a good job. Like I, sometimes I forget. But last night, I was like, I'm on top of this. I got my clothes out, my Sunday best. And I got my iPad and I plugged it into the charging station, right? I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Until I woke up this morning and realized... Yeah, that cable was plugged into my iPad, but the whole plug was unplugged from the wall. And listen, let me just tell you, I grieved that. Like with some words. 
that I might not stay on stage. I, I felt some loss of like, this shouldn't, life shouldn't be this way. It should have been plugged in. It should have been, how is it 49% still? It should be 100%. And you sort of realize, man, there's this loss from living in a broken world. Things don't work like they're supposed to. And all of us experience this. And yet, some of us, we look at grief as something, it's a feeling to overcome, not a process to go through. Again, as I, I studied this, I saw a lot of articles that were even entitled, How to Overcome Grief. It's like a rock in your way to the better destination. It's not good. And yet again, as you look at scripture, you see all over the place, like the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, if you're new to the scripture or new to the Bible, it's kind of like our manual for worship and prayer. And yet, if you look at the book of Psalms, two-thirds of your Psalms are lament. And that's just a Christianese way of saying complaining. Right? You ever read the Psalms? I, I've read the Psalms with my 12-year-old daughter, and I've wanted to skip some lines. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're talking to God. I'm like, baby girl, I don't want you to talk to me like that, <laughs> much less God. I, I want to skip some of it. Because it's so raw. It's so complaining. They seem upset with God. They're letting God have it. And yet, okay, we need a, a prayer and worship manual. Let's give them two-thirds lament. Oh, you know, the Old Testament. How about we put a whole Bible, you know, a book of the Bible. You know what I'm going to call it? I don't know, Lamentations. You know who it's going to be written by? Jeremiah. You know what his nickname is? The Weeping Prophet. Whole book. Lamenting or complaining to God, however you want to say it. Why is that? Why do we have the book of Job? Anybody else doing it like a yearly Bible reading plan? Yeah, one person. We can do it together because I usually fail uh, pastoral confession. But right now I'm in it and I'm in the book of Job, right? And I'm reading through the book of Job. And let me just tell you, it's not a great read for your new year, right? It's got a, a lot of grief in it. It's got a lot of suffering in it, but it starts out not that way. Like in chapter one, we get this picture of Job. This is like a weird, like special combination of like Billy Graham with Jeff Bezos, right? He talks about him like, hey, this was an upright man, blameless. He was turning from evil. He was fearing God. Like this was a spiritual giant of that day. But he also... Jeff Bezos, like he also had like thousands of sheep, thousands of camel, thousands of donkeys, 10 kids. And some of you are like, is that? A... Yeah, in the, back in the day, that was like Jeff Bezos' status. He was a guy of prominence, but he was also a spiritual giant. But if you've read the book of Job, you know that doesn't last long, right? In one day, everything is taken from him. His kids, his possessions, his prominence, it's all removed. And how does Job respond? Some of you are thinking Job 121, he says, naked I came into the world, naked I will leave it behind, but yet I will praise the Lord. The Lord gives, he takes away, I will praise him. And he does exalt, but he also expresses lament. Do you know Job is 42 chapters, 35 chapters are lament, are him upset at God, 
questioning God, weeping before God. He's expressing, it's almost like we, there's good and grief. We should go through a process of grief. But I think as I read that and I read over and over the weeping, the lament, the, the even anger from Job towards God about his suffering and loss and pain, as I read that, sometimes I stop and think to myself, is this okay? <laughs> and I would ask you, is that okay for a Christian? 35 chapters out of 42 chapters, expressing lament, angry at God. Is, is it okay? I think as you look at scripture, what you see is, man, sometimes it's not okay with us, but it is okay with God. Sometimes we're surprised and shocked and uncomfortable by our grief, and yet God is not shocked and not surprised and entirely comfortable with hearing from us in the midst of our grief. Why is this important? I don't know about you, yourself, or people that you know, but here's what I see people often doing. They don't believe this about God's word and about God, they don't believe God comes near to the brokenhearted. They don't believe that God can handle their raw emotions. They don't believe that. So here's what they do in the midst of their loss and their grief and their pain. They leave God's word. They leave the people of God. They leave the spirit of God and they go cry out in other ways in addiction, with a substance, with a sex, in isolation, in depression because they don't believe God is good in their grief. Because they don't believe God can handle their shouts. Have you been there? Do you know people who are there right now? Bring them to Phoenix Bible Church and help them see. And, and I want you to see, you can bring your grief to God. He can handle it. What if I say this? Yeah, he can handle it. He's God. And so, man, I, I just... Have you processed your grief or have you stuffed it away? Have you processed it in some unhealthy ways with some addiction, with a sex, with a substance, an isolation, outside of God's word, outside of God's people, outside of God's spirit? Have you processed it in some unhealthy ways but never processed it with God, with his spirit, with his people? That is where the healing and the freedom comes, amen? That's where it comes. That's why Job, at the end of the book of Job, he still believed in God. That's why God, God was faithful in the midst of his grief and frustration. God didn't leave him, and God won't leave you. Give him your grief. Go through a process of grief, expressing, also exalting him in the middle of it, and he is faithful, and he'll bring healing. So some of you have some loss and pain and grief, and you've never gone through that process. You've just tried to get over the grief and maneuver around the grief instead of going through the process of grief. Is that you today? Man, what a great thing at the beginning of the new year is to go through the process of grief with your God and start to experience healing and goodness and freedom in his name. Right. The next thing is grief isn't a solo project, but a community effort. I just mentioned it, but many times we, we go into isolation to process our grief. We don't do that with other people. We think, we believe the lie that we are alone in the midst of our grief. 
because we don't talk about it, because we don't talk about, about it well, it's kind of the stigma in the church. We just think we're alone in it. And, and we try to do it as a solo project. And we try to white knuckle it through. God says he's provided people to walk through it with you. We see it in lots of places. Romans 12, 15 is one of those. Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. Proverbs eleven fourteen. In a multitude of counselors, there's safety. You don't have to run from the people of God. This is the place you run to. I pray that that's the case for Phoenix Bible Church. I pray that you feel that. You, you need to know we want that. We desire that. We invite that. You need to mourn. You need to grieve. Man, you got a place here. We got a seat open for you. Amen? That's what we want to be. That's what God word, God's word says. John 19, I love this part of scripture where Jesus is on the cross experiencing the most extreme loss and pain. And in that moment, he looks at Mary and he looks at John, his mother and his best friend. And he says, hey, y'all are gonna do this together. I know it's hard right now. The son of God, Mary, your son, John, your best friend is dying a gruesome death on a cross. How are you gonna do this? How are you gonna get through this? Y'all sync up. Y'all stay together. Y'all don't leave each other. And I've seen this in my life. I'd love to tell you I'm some kind of like hero pastor with a cape on, like fanning in the wind. Uh, most of y'all who know me are just like, no, we never thought that, Tim. Um, but if you did, if you're new, right? Um, I'd love to tell you how I've navigated loss and pain in my life and like just soared through it with all confidence in Christ, exalting him. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'd love to tell you that I've always done that by myself, but I haven't. I've needed other people. Like not in ethereal loss, like sometimes when I need people. No, like when I've actually lost people. I could tell you lots of stories. I'll just give you one. Uh, about three years ago, I lost a really good friend that's a part of our church, was a part of our church, a leader in our church, our production lead, who I talked to probably more than anybody else in our church. He was like 37 years old, drop dead, heart attack, wife and two kids. It was, some of you were here around that time. It was a Saturday night. My phone was blowing up as I was going to sleep. Texts, phone calls over and over and over. I finally pick up the phone, return the call, and it's, hey, Chris has passed away. I didn't believe it. 37 years old. And so I went to the East Valley, which is where they lived. I went to his house. I remember still this day, obviously, it's still hard for me to talk about. I went to his house. I sat with his wife, his kids, his friends, and we mourned that loss until about 4 a.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> and I work on Sundays. And so I had to roll into church and talk to a lot of people who knew Chris and let them know, hey, this is what happened. Shock, disbelief, all the stages of grief. You go through like that, the denial. This couldn't happen. How could, I just talked to him yesterday. And we had to plan a service like in two hours. And so we just talked about Chris and we talked about these scriptures that we just talked about and we prayed together and we had people come up and pray. And man, I, I like to think I processed that grief, but I really just put on a service and helped other people process it. And then we had the funeral, right? I mean, that's coming too. And, and some of you know funerals, I mean, it's just like fast funerals. Like put in a brochure, 
That's what everybody wants, right? Like, we, we got to put the outline together. We put it in planning center. We're going to sing this song. This person's going to share. Hey, make sure you don't share too long. I'm going to preach. That, that's me. Hey, make sure you don't preach too long. And then we're going to have another song. Family's going to exit. Everybody else is going to exit. We're going to go to the graveside. And then we're going to go to somebody's house and eat potato salad. And, and that's kind of how, and you get to the end of that and you're like, it's a funeral that's supposed to mourn the loss. I don't even know if I did that. I think I just put on a service or participated in one. Anybody ever been there? And, we, and I didn't stop and process the grief. So I needed a friend, a friend that I could be more honest with than just saying, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. Everything's great. A friend who knew that was not true <laughs> is what I needed. And he came alongside me and said, hey, how are you doing? Do you feel like you've processed this? And I honestly just told him, no. And so with his help and with some help of some other friends, I began to process my own grief. And let me tell you, it was in those moments where I did experience, I, I do still mourn it. It's three years ago. Every time we have a service, I think about Chris because we talked and planned the service together. Every time we have Thanksgiving and his family came over, I think about when they don't come over. Like I still mourn it, but I mourn it, I grieve it. How? With hope. Because I went through the process God designed. I experienced there's goodness and grief because I experienced a good God in my grief. Because I let him comfort me as I mourned. I just would ask, have you experienced that with other people, with a good God, helping you mourn the loss, but also hope in Jesus and experience his goodness? If you haven't and you're in this room, man, before you leave today, join a community group. Talk to somebody who brought you. Talk to one of our pastors. We would love to pray with you, help you process that grief together. You are not alone. You don't have to do it alone. Here's the last thing. Grief has limits and so do you. Grief has limits and so do you. Now, I think if you're like me, you get excited about one part of that, but not so much the other part. Like grief has limits. It's going to end soon. Fantastic. I have limits. Well, you deal with that. And, and to be honest, that's what frustrates us most of the time in the midst of our loss, isn't it? We have limits. We think, God, why can't I understand this? Why can't I fix this? Why didn't, if I was only there, if I only did this, then the relationship would still be there. If I only said this or didn't say this, then I would still be married. Maybe you're a kid of divorce. And you think, man, if I'd only been around more, if I'd only helped pour into my parents as they poured into me, they wouldn't have gotten divorced. And maybe you've been there and you've had a lot of regrets about your loss and, and you faced your limits. And some of you have tried to be Sherlock Holmes. Figure this out. I'm gonna put it all together. Like one plus one. And then you're frustrated. You're like, but he was 37, two kids and a wife. I, I doesn't make sense. And you get frustrated by your limits. Listen, I've been there. But I've also been in that place where I've experienced Okay, scripture says power is made perfect in what? Oh, weakness. I can do all things 
through Christ. Let me just tell you, that's not a verse about sports or lifting weights. Like the context of that is, hey, you can go through highs and lows, loss and victory, and how do you get through that? I can do all things through Christ. And when I've experienced, listen, as a pastor, sometimes I'm not good at this. I, 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 wanna, I have the hero complex. I, I wanna fix everybody's problems and everybody's pain and be there for everybody's loss. And I've had to learn, hey, there is freedom and there is power as soon as I say, I have limits. I can't figure it out. I'm not God. But I'm gonna trust God. And he's gonna handle this. And he's gonna walk us. Hey, let's, let's lock arms as we look to Jesus. And he's the author and he's the perfecter and the finisher of my faith. And he's gonna get us through this. You know what kind of freedom and healing comes when you realize you have limits? But that's not the only thing. It's not just that you have limits. Your grief has limits. Listen to this passage. 2 Corinthians 14. Some of you, this needs to be your memory verse as you go into the new year. It says this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. All the loss, the loss of living in a broken world, the little ones, the big ones, our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. Preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So you need to know every loss, every pain that you've experienced, it will be redeemed and will be restored eventually. It may seem like it's never gonna end. Like in your marriage, in that relationship, in your finances, in that sickness, mourning the loss of a friend, it may seem like that grief is never going to end. But Ecclesiastes, it's not always depressing. Ecclesiastes chapter three says, hey, there's a time for mourning, but there's also a time for dancing. God will bring that grief to a close, whether it's in eternity, in glory, or whether it's at some point in this life, amen? Jesus died but he also rose again. There was a crucifixion, but praise God, there was also a resurrection. There was Good Friday and mourning the loss, but there was also the glory of the resurrection on Easter Sunday, amen? There's both. That's the crux of our faith, that one day there will be no more tears and no more pain and no more death and no more grief. And so we grieve and there's good in grief, because we grieve with hope. And the glory of resurrection, the glory of all things, even your loss, even your grief, being made right before a good God. So what do you do with this today? Man, acknowledge your limits. Some of you need to give up your hero complex. Some of you need to give up the bravado and just before God say, hey God, I'm sad, I'm mad about this. And talk with him, not apart from him. Talk with the people of God. Don't go off by yourself. You're not alone. We're here together to see the freedom and goodness and healing God provides together with God in the midst of our grief. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that that's true. God, I pray for these men and women that are experiencing light losses, deep losses. God, that you would help them to in the name of Jesus, God, you would help them to come to you. 
And God, I just know even online, the people who are watching this, maybe they're at home because they, they, they're struggling with the loss of, of sickness. Maybe they're struggling with just being able to walk into a church because of the loss of their innocence and optimism about church because of some abuse they've experienced or because of just feeling sad in life and they're not sure there's, there's a place for them at church. God, I pray for whoever is in the listening ear of my voice that they would know Psalm 34, that you come near, you come close to the broken hearted, that you're close with us right now and that we can praise you in the midst of our storm We can acknowledge your goodness in the midst of our grief and that you, by your spirit and by your people, by your word, you would help us do that today. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen.